0: Kia ora everybody and welcome to another episode of Big Life Mindset. Man, have I got another uh, just awesome episode in store for you. So, uh, the theme of this particular episode is never let money be the deciding factor in your big life decisions. It's a pretty bold statement, eh? But it's true and it works. I'm going to tell you why. So, it's an approach that I firmly believe in. It's one that I practice a lot of. I don't just, you know, preach this thing. I actually get out there and do it a lot. And I'm going to share this example that happened last week. Uh, that is just, you know, it it ticks all the boxes in terms of why uh, using that approach about never letting money be the uh, deciding factor in your big life decisions. About why that is so true. Before I do though, uh, if you're joining me on Spotify. Well, you can always flick over and watch the video cast of this. Uh, alternatively, you can view this on my YouTube channel, which is E That's the handle, uh, E R A K A N U I. Plug that into YouTube, it'll pop up. Pop it up, and then you can kind of watch this. Um, also, what I'll do is on my YouTube channel, and if you're following on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook you'll see a lot of the videos that I'm going to refer to throughout this podcast because I took heaps of footage, uh, and it was just so cool. Okay, so some quick context for those of you who haven't been along uh, and joining me in this journey so far, um, and I guess for the haters too, to be fair, is that uh, I left the 9-to-5 um, in May 2021 and you know haven't looked back since. Uh, I have walked away from a couple of jobs where I had nothing else to go to, but I also recognized that there was more out there for me. I am financially responsible for myself and uh, six other people in this home. Um, you know, we've got all the things that at us. We've got mortgages, we've got endless food bills, we've got power, heating, Netflix, Wi-Fi, you name it. Like, we've got all the bills, right? We've got all the things, so we've got all the bills. We also have three cars. One of them I just got a ticket for um, having no warrant or reg, which in New Zealand is like, you know, it's like sinning on the street, basically. They slap your $400 fine. So I know all about bills, okay? Um, my wife also, Debbie, also just quit her job um, because she wants to spend more time with our family, which, you know, that's that's the number one priority for us. So, you know, in terms of, like, our credentials, my credentials on talking about this topic, about money, I feel really well placed. Really well placed. So you don't have to take this as advice. You could just think it's just white noise. Up to you. I promise I won't be offended. Anyway, this holiday that we took, so we have termed this holiday, and this will always be stuck in my mind, this was the holiday that we couldn't afford. Now, we had... Um the reason why we took this holiday, is, which was going to be in the Cook Islands, in Rarotonga, the Cook Islands, is for a whole bunch of reasons. We had all these stars line up, right? <clears throat> so, in Rara, which, Rarotonga, is the main island of the Cook Islands. My father is from one of the outer islands, Achiw, Inuamanu. My mother is from Rarotonga, the main island in the Cook Islands. Whenever you hear me refer to the word Raro or the Cook Islands, like, Raro is kind of like the main place, right? You have to go through Raro if you want to get to any of the other islands. This particular holiday was in Raro. Cool. That was a nice little geography lesson, wasn't it? Okay, so the reason why we chose to go on this holiday that we couldn't afford was because my elder brother, Mata, had recently returned from South Korea, where he'd been living for 22 years, and he'd moved to Rara. One of my younger brothers, Kane, has been living in Rara for the last seven years. My mum has just gone over there to take a holiday in Rara. One of my uncles, a man who has been living here, we've been living here looking after him for the last two and a half years, um, since... My auntie, his wife, was living here as well. We gave her, you know, that end of life care, end of life care that I've spoken about previously. So she was palliative. Um, she passed away. He stayed on. Thankfully, he did. Love the man. He was gonna he he'd actually left to go back to Raro as well, so he was gonna be on the island. And Barry. Barry is one of Debbie and I our besties. He was the best man at our wedding. 17 years ago, I think. He is also he also happens to be Kyson, our son. Barry is Kyson's godfather. Barry normally lives about five hours away from us on Napier. So all of those people were going to be in Raro for a 10-day period. That's me looking up at the calendar behind you, by the way. So they all happen to be in RARA for a 10-day period. as we learned that each person was going to be there over this certain period of time, like, the first it started off with me thinking, right, I'll go to Rara. You know, my two brothers are going to be there. I should go to Rara. I'll be there as well. My mum was going to go, oh man, I'm definitely going to make an effort, right? Then I realised my uncle was going as well. Okay, now this is starting to look more like at least Debbie and I, probably the two eldest kids. And then once it, we realized that Barry was gonna be at this there at the same time. We said, no matter what, we're going. No matter what it takes, we're gonna we're gonna take our whole family there and we're gonna be in Raro for that 10 days while everybody's there. Now we could not afford this trip. And there's I kind of talked to some of the layers of that, but if you kind of put that little bit of knowledge to the side, because you know, we end up finding ways, obviously, but the overall mentality that we had was a thing I like to call the deathbed test, which I know other people have spoken of, I don't know what they call it, but I call it the deathbed test. And I like to think of it as, for let's say for this particular example, when I'm on my deathbed, I guarantee you, I'm not going to worry about the $5,000 I might have saved by not going to RARO. If we don't go to RARO, great, we've saved $5,000, more really. But let's say we've saved five dollars Pat on the back. Well done, team. When I'm on my deathbed, though, I'm not going to think about that five dollars am just not. What I will think about, though, is this amazing holiday that we created with our family. And I mean like our wider family. And all the memories that are tied up in that. That is what I'm going to remember. That passes my deathbed test. So with that in mind, we had to start pulling together some other pieces, like how are we going to afford this thing, right? Because it's nice enough having this idea about the deathbed test, but somehow you've got to actually pay for the thing, right? You've actually got to come up with the money. So here's what we did. We had a look at the cost for flying to Aurora and also just a quick half step back. Amongst all those people, once I'd gotten the phone, emails, messenger, whatever, had pinned down the 13th of November. So the 13th of November was like four days after we arrived in Raro. And that was going to be when we had a barbecue, a family barbecue. And it was going to be hosted at my brother's place. So Mata and Kane, my older and one of my younger brothers, have a place in Raro now with Kane's partner Sandy and her son Neumann. So so they've agreed to host this barbecue on the 13th of November. Cool. So all roads are going to lead to this one day. One day in one island overseas. Yeah, can't wait. Next thing we do is, how are we going to get there? Let's just focus on how we'll get there, and then where we're going to sleep, and what we're going to eat, and what we're going to spend money on, Those are the next problems. We don't need to solve those problems because if we can't get there, we don't need to worry about this thing, right? So we take this goal and we break it down into bite-sized chunks. I'm in Wellington. We're in Wellington. So in order to get from where we are to Raro, you've got to go Wellington, Auckland, Raro. Now, I can't remember off the top of my head what the flights cost, but they were like extortionate prices. (laughs) Flying is no longer cheap. It was really expensive. I can't remember what the dollar amount was off the top of my head, but I remember I just like, oh man, this is going to be like, how am I going to get this money? And automatically, I'm thinking, oh, I could get a loan, I could go borrow against the house, I could you know sell my body, whatever. Uh, and just thinking, how am I going to how am I going to achieve this? So we got the price through Air New Zealand. which is kind of, you've got two choices if you're flying to the islands. You've got Air New Zealand and you've got Jetstar. You've got flying with some sort of comfort and surety that you're going to get there, and then you've got the other one. We realised that it's going, to be, it's going to cost too much for us, all six of us, Debbie, myself, our four kids, all six of us to get to that, to get to Raro and back, flying with Air e New Zealand. We couldn't even do it with Jetstar from Wellington return. So we opted to drive from Wellington to Auckland, which is about a seven and a half hour drive with no stops. Now, if you're driving with four kids and one of them's two years old, not even two, and the other one's four years old, uh, and between the four of them, they just love a good argument, you know, the idea of trying to get there in under 10 hours is just a joke. <clears throat> this may be an exaggeration. Let's say under nine hours, you're pushing it, right? So we opted to stay at Debbie's parents, which is in Fielding. Bless them, because like being able to stop off there took two hours off the total time, or maybe an hour and a half, but it was enough to just like take it, some of the edge off that trip, right? So that's that's on the plan. We're gonna we're gonna do the drive from Wellington to Fielding, then drive from Fielding to Auckland. It still doesn't explain where we're gonna get the money for the rest of the stuff, like the actual flights. So luckily. I have been, because of COVID actually, prior to COVID been, i have been flying quite a bit, we had been flying quite a bit, and so we'd accumulated a few air points, and so we we're going to cash all those in, so I think we had maybe $2,000 in air points, $2,200 in the air points, which you know, just, that's a huge amount in the scheme of things, for us anyway, might not be for other people, but for us that was a lot of money, that's a lot of air points money. Um... And then we figure, okay, so if we fly with the Jetstar there, we'll assume we get there with enough time before the barbecue, and with our luggage, and then we can fly in New Zealand on the way back to Auckland. So this is just Auckland, Rara, Auckland, return. We'll have to drive the other two leagues, Wellington to Auckland, Auckland to Wellington. And obviously I mentioned fielding in there as well. So that's how flight's locked in. We've, We've... Big and stolen, like, we kind of raided out, like, almost every dollar that we had to work out the flights, the return flights with, sorry, the flights with Jetstar, and not only that, but in the sign of the times, we opened my piggy bank, like, this is, this is where we were at, folks, we, I had this piggy bank, which was, oh, man, I don't know if you can see it, it's like, um... Let's just say the size of my head. <laughs> it's the size of my head and it's a tin piggy bank. And rather than looking like a pig, it is cylindrical and it has like a $50 note wrapped around the outside. That's the image. So just imagine your own head. I reckon I've got an average size head. If you can't see my see my head, that's kind of what we're working with. And I've been fooling this thing for years. For years. I kind of put a bit of a pause on it when as each child has grown old and become more aware of what money is, like loose change out of my pockets, just disappears all the time now, and it ends up in them, not in my piggy bank. And so about three days before we go to Flight Oraro, we crack this thing open. And it's an event, man, you know, because the kids have asked me to open this thing countless times over the years. And was like, no, nah, no, I always, I had no real purpose to saving it, but I thought, no, nah, I don't want to open it just for the sake of opening it. But we reached this point where we we're like, okay, we actually need money. We can't just turn up with nothing. We're gonna need some sort of cash. Let's crack this sucker open. So we did. We did this event, you know, recorded it for posterity and all the rest. Had guesses about who was going to be closest to the mark. And in it, after all the coins and the notes were taken out, there was $1,250 something dollars, I think. Hooray! One thousand two hundred dollars, man. That was awesome. It's like, oh, okay. That's thousand two hundred dollars more than what we thought we had, right? So now we've got, yeah, we've got the flight sorted, and we've got our spending money there sorted. We need somewhere to stay, so we go looking at backpackers. Backpacking, as you know. Is something I love doing. It's not something I would ordinarily take Debbie and the kids on. I don't mind it too much. But in the same breath, I'm not actually thinking about the security, believe it or not. I'm thinking more about, like when my kids pop off, they don't give a fuck who's listening. <laughs> they really don't. Uh, and so, you know, we're just mindful that we don't want to, we don't want to spoil spoil anybody else's holiday, and if you're in a backpacking environment with communal kitchens and all the rest, it's really hard to kind of carve out your own space, right? So we look at booking that, and then just before we go to to like do the deed, uh, Barry contacts us and says, actually, we are hiring two separate villas in this complex, it's fully fenced, two separate villas in this two villa complex and if you're okay with checking in when you do but then leaving on the 17th then it's all yours. We were scheduled to leave on the 20th, the 19th sorry, so it would mean that we only now needed to find a place for two days. So we've gone from needing to hire a place for 10 days, in case I didn't mention it, we're going on a 10-day holiday. Instead of hiring a place for 10 days, and the prices in Rara at the moment are just crazy because every tourist and their dog is trying to get there, <clears throat> then that's all going off the table. And now we just need to find a place for two days. So Debbie jumps, jumps on the interweb and finds us a place that's like, I can't remember what it was, $160 it's way up in the hills with the mosquitoes but it's an amazing view and it's only got two bedrooms two bedrooms with six people we're like man we can do this easy let's not worry about that so that's the accommodation sorted so just like that we've put it out there to the universe see this is the thing that we're going to do universe hook us up uh and we've got you know flights sorted we've got spending money we've got accommodation like, man, this is, this is on. Like, this is happening, right? So that's locked in. That's locked in. As it gets nearer to the point where it's becoming a reality that we're going to be flying over, I don't want to just use the time in Raro for sitting by the pole, um, which is super relaxing, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I love doing that. But because my family's from the islands, I, I know straight away that there's no such thing as an all-me holiday. Yeah, there's, there's commitments, there's family commitments to be done. Got to go around, see aunties, uncles, cousins, that kind of thing. So I've kind of locked that in mentally. Okay, that's what I'll do. But I also want to use some of that time to meet people that I ordinarily wouldn't meet and interview people for my podcast. So I do. I tee up uh, three people. One is Clive Nicholas, who is, I interviewed, I, I, interview, I approached three tattoo artists, five other, two other people as well, but these three tattoo artists that I, I actually do get to catch up with. Um, one is Clive Nicholas. Uh, he is the brother of a, a guy named Boy Nicholas, who passed away. One is He is He has been tattooing on the island for a long time. And the third is Stormy Cutter. Now, Stormy Cutter is the most recent of those three, but she also has a lot more, she also resonates a lot more with the why I wanted to speak with them. The why I wanted to speak with them was because in the last five or ten years, there's been this massive resurgence of people, Cook Islanders, going back to the islands to get tattoos. A lot of them are like me. A lot of them are born and bred in New Zealand, can speak a small bit of the language, but definitely not fluent. And what I've seen is that they're going back to the islands and the tattoos themselves are basically acting as a bridge between where they are and our origins. And so I wanted to understand what the artist's perspective of that looked and felt like. And so that's why I arranged this to um, interview those three. T was an interesting one actually because I didn't, none of the correspondence that I'd had about organizing it was with him. It was actually with his wife, Fiona Pecopo. Lovely lady. I'll talk about her a little bit more later. So I've got those three locked up. Two others that I, I try to um, lock in one is a guy called Mi'i um, Talkia. Who, opened, who has a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu club, club over there, BJJ, which, as you know, I love doing. It's martial art. And the other one is a guy named Steve Boggs. And Steve Boggs is uh, on the island. He's widely recognized as basically the key uh, medicinal marijuana advocate with marijuana going through the the legal... Um, what's the word? Process. The process to become legal in Rara. That'll do it. So I wanted to catch up with both of them as well. So that's there's like family time in there for the reason for going. There is uh, there is the interviews that I'll be doing. There's also like the relaxing with our family, you know, Debbie and our kids. That's obviously a key part of it. Um, and then when it's, as it gets around as these things do, that I'm going to be on the island, I get invited by the Cook Islands National Youth Council to be a panellist on um, a forum that they have called um, Men's Couch Talks. Yeah, that's it. And the topic of it is around men's mental health. Man, I'd jump at the opportunity. Of course I would. It's an awesome one. So... That's going to take up a little bit of time as well. That's kind of my contribution back to the islands and you know the youth that are coming through. And it's really worth to share examples of times where I've been challenged, my mental health has been severely challenged, things that I've done to overcome those, and also things that you know people could potentially pick up as well. Things that I find useful and others would find useful too. So that's another thing that's locked in. But the centerpiece of this whole holiday, once again, remains the 13th of November. It's the barbecue day. So off we go. Off we go to Rara. Um, we, you know, I mentioned we drive to fielding. That was easy enough. Drive was super simple. Go from fielding to Auckland. It was a lot harder. I um, ain't going to lie. There were times where I'm just like, Fuck, these kids are just animals and, you know, I can't, who are their bloody parents anyway? Where are they? <laughs> um, but then we get to the airport, and I, I do one of these. Uh, I do a Facebook Live video. I tell people that I'm going to do it. Oh, just quickly, I stay at my uh, my cousin's home, in Mangre East, and you know she opens up her home, and it's dope as And then we're talking about doing a Facebook Live. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. Right? I'm going to do this. And the reason I'm going to do it, and I'm going to put this out to the universe again, is because I only found out that you can, like people actually get income to do Facebook Lives. My goal, one of my goals is this thing called Ikigai. Quick sidestep, Ikigai is, in case you've never heard it, imagine four circles, goes into a Venn diagram. One is something that you're really good at. One circle is something that the world needs. One circle is something that you can make money off. And one circle is something that you're passionate about. You get all those four circles, that little bit that they all overlap, and man, you are living life pretty. And so something that I want to do is I just want to live life, and I want to be paid for it. <laughs> Universe, make it happen, man. I know you got this. So uh, we agree that the following day as we fly out to uh, from Auckland, I'll do a Facebook Live. I'll call it a success. I butchered a lot of it. I butchered so much of it. Tagged people. I gave I actually had to give it to Maya, our 13-year-old, and just say, hey man, can you sort something else? I don't know what I'm doing here. So she's just tagging people nonstop, you know, between the two of us, it's just like the blind leading the blind. But I'll call it a success because I did it. I did it. And people were like saying, hey, good luck and all that. And one crack up though was, um, there was a... <laughs> One person actually reached out to Debbie and said, "I just wanted to reach out and check that you're okay, because you look so stressed. <laughs> that, that can happen, man. When you're um, when you're at an airport catching an international flight, and if you're not a regular flyer, it's just just you know stressing stressful enough time as it is. When you throw four kids into that mix, man, you got some plans for action. Oh, well, not only that." But I park the car with the intention of getting the kids and Debbie checked in, myself checked in, and then I'll go back out the car and then drop the car back off at my cousin's place catching catch an Uber back. Of course, the ticket doesn't work, so I'm stuck at the barrier gate thing. won't open, I'm sweating, and I'm like, wow, oh, what do I have to do? This sucks up all the time that I was going to use, so I have to park the car in a random place again. And just deal with it when I get back. I'm like, man, if, instead of costing me $8 to get that car out, it's probably going to cost about $340 now. But I will deal with that when I get back. I've got other problems to deal with right now. So we we finally get through uh, customs, security clearance, and all the rest, whatever that's called, and we get on the plane. When I go to take my seat, so there's three of us in front, two in back, four in front, actually, and... Um, between us, Debbie and I will hold Sky, our two year old. But I go to sit down, and there's a lady that's really sitting in my seat, or sitting in the seat, sorry, a seat, on the aisle seat, spit it out. And so I said, I oh, you know, do you mind? I'm well just going to climb over there. She's cool. So she comes out, sit down, so does Maya. And then her and I, the, the lady and I start chatting. I said, Oh, Came back to Raro, how can we go back? And she just asked me about my trip. And I said, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna um, go over, I'm only there for 10 days. The reason this is the reason why, but I'm also gonna be interviewing these people over there. And then she said, and then she goes, Oh, what's your and uh, sorry? And then I said, Oh, my name's Eddie Rakanui, and then she said, Oh, hi, I'm Fiona Pekapor. The same Fiona Pekkapur that I've been speaking with or messaging on Facebook Messenger to try and interview. The guy who turns out to be her husband. <laughs> cool, eh? I love when stuff like that happens. And so her and I are just nattering away from almost the whole flight. Almost the whole flight. And she's so nice. She's one of these people that is just so calm as well. Even when around her, you know, my kids are just, at one stage, two of them are trying to climb over the chairs. Like, there's free-spirited children and then there's our line, and they're just out the gate. Anywho, um, we, we finally get into Raro, and, you know, the flight is actually really good. I've I got no complaints about the flight. In fact, and I, the, kids, the kids were actually pretty good, to be fair. Now, when you land in Raro, if you've never been to the Pacific Islands, when you land in a place like Raro, you don't want to be wearing a hoodie and jeans, no matter what time the flight lands because it has this thing where you come out the plane and it's just like a wall of warmth that hits you. It's not suffocating by any means, but it's, it's enough, right? It's enough that by the time you climb down those stairs, you'll be sweating. So shorts and t-shirt is the name of the game. Debbie's already bought um, alcohol in the Jetty Free in Auckland, so that means we can like jump ahead of a whole bunch of people who haven't planned that far ahead. Um, and then we're in the front of the queue and it's just a normal jam, you know, we're trying to get through, we're trying to get our baggage, we're basically trying to get out of there as fast as we can. Uh, I go to load the car, everybody gets in the car, I make a rookie mistake and I forget to take the, put the lock on the pram, like the kid's pram, and, um, luckily, luckily, our child wasn't sitting in the pram because the pram started moving off on its own. They got hit by a car. <laughs> sloppy guy, yeah. And then Rara, the, the street lights are terrible. So we have you know, it's like nine thirty at night, nine nine thirty at night. So you can't see Jack anyway. You know, just driving along, bang, whacked into a pram. Um, I load up the car. All the rest, we get there. We get to the home. Oh, actually, I missed a bit. So when we when we come out of the um, arrivals gate, is a really really cool moment where we're looking around, and I, I wasn't expecting to see anybody. I was just expecting to go to get the car. But Barry and Joe, who works alongside Barry, and is is just another one of these just incredibly wonderful people, just such a beautiful person, really really cool. She's there, and so. They're there, and it's just like this warm fuzziness that overwhelms you. you know, like you know, you've you've done this trip, and you you're there for this this reason, and part of the reason is is at the airport waiting for you. It's a really cool feeling. Anyway, so you have the pram incident. Get in the cars. Boom, we go to the house. Um, Paul, sorry, Barry, Joe, and Paul are going to be in the house for three weeks. They arrived maybe a week before we did, and oh no, they arrived a day before we did. Um, and so when we get to the home, they are living in one of these villas, and we're in the other, and there's a shared swimming pool. Um, our kids are, oh, you know, and it's like fenced and enveloped by coconut trees coconut trees and because it's at night I can't see anything but you can hear the ocean as it's rolling in. You can tell it's close too. And it's just oh man it just all adds up right it's like that's the Pacific Ocean out there. We are on a dot within the Pacific Ocean and it's just over there. Uh, It's some truly beautiful stuff. Uh, The kids go for a swim. I pass. I don't know why probably should have. in any case it's an early night for everybody Paul, Joe and Barry have had a big night the first night when they arrived we've just arrived so we're pretty tired to be fair Um, and then we roll into the next day, we roll into Thursday so the next day um, it's all about decompressing we got there, we got there in one piece we weren't sure what our levels of sanity were going to be like having travelled that it's just time to relax and that's exactly what we do you know that you know that feeling that you get of you get home from a real hard day of work and you either crack open a beer or you pour yourself a glass of wine or you just sit in your favorite chair and you kick your shoes off like it's that feeling amplified it's it's that's the buzz that we're on where we're just so. Like the 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 stress and the challenge and all just disappears. It's so good. So that's just kind of something else that's kind of good, kind of cool. Is that I'm in the newspaper. Haven't even been there a day, and I'm in the newspaper. Um, an article gets written about what my about this mental health uh, couch talk will be about, and you know, obviously has my bio and uh, the bios of the other panelists, and it's it's cool. You know, it's a cool. It's a cool thing to see. Like you just arrive into a country and there's your name in the paper. Oh, sweet. That's that's different, you know. Um, That day is pretty much the kids in the pool, we're in the pool, there's beers by the pool, there's a barbecue by the pool. There's not a single commitment or a deadline in sight. Not a thing. Uh, At night, we end up walking to the Muri Night Markets. So Paul, Barry and myself walk off to the Muri Night Markets, which is about, uh, let's say a 20 minute walk, 25 minute walk from where we are, in the dark. I can't say I'm a fan of that walk, to be perfectly honest. Paul walks like he's like on a mission as well. So I'm like a buckling, chasing after him. And we get there just in time before it closes. And order this pizza, and man, this pizza's better than I reckon 90% of the pizzas I've ever eaten before in my life, partly because we're on holiday, partly because it's in the beautiful Cook Islands, and partly because I've probably had a few beers by that stage as well, but it's a gangster pizza. Um, Paul leaves early, and Barry and I just kind of meander back, you know, we're in no rush, man, we're just like completely switched off, eh? and then we stopping at the shop, and the lady coming, I mean, whatever it was we bought... But the lady says, oh, do you want to buy some beers before you go? I said, no, no, we're okay. And she, she says, are you sure? i like, yeah, yeah, no, we're, we're fine. We're fine. Um, you know, I can't remember what we bought, but we had what we needed. And then she said, you realize once it hits nine o'clock, I can't sell you any more alcohol? <laughs> I was like... Good point, lady. Good point. It's a great point. There's only about two minutes to go before nine. This, this is. Thank you for this. We we needed this reminder. So we grabbed a few beers, and I mean, in one of life's great upsells. Um, she, you know, sells us these beers, and it's just a win-win situation because Barry and I walk off, and we've got you know a few tall bottles to walk home with, and it just makes that walk just so much better. You know, you've got pizza and beers, and you're walking around the islands, and it's just a beautiful night. I'm like, man, thanks, lady. I, I always, I've always remember that lady for that very reason. She was the one that convinced me that I should buy beers. Ah, oh, what do you know? Um, so we end up getting back to the home, and it's not like a cloudless night, but it's you know, you can see the stars, and I really want to go and hang out at this this platform, which is outside the property, but right on the beach, and the the beach is about 30 meters away from the home, from the villas, so we walk out there, and Barry and I are just sitting on this, on this platform, you know, sinking a couple of beers, stargazing, until four in the morning. It was awesome, it was awesome, it was such a good time. Friday rolls around, uh, and it's the next day, and it's really more of the same, to be honest, I mean, there's... There's people on the island that I need to see, as I mentioned. So you know, start to make an effort to do that. Um, I catch up with my mum and my younger brother Kane. Um, we Watch some of the rugby league, uh, which is the semi final. Watch the Kiwis get knocked out. Poor, poor effort. Not a poor effort. Beaten. Um, but the places like Raro is so chill that you've really got to go out of your way to find stress. You've got to be. You've got to be on the search for it. Um, I catch up with when I get back to. Our villa, I catch up with another Paul, Paul Lynch. He is, him and his wife Shona own those villas and they actually own a number of other villas around the island too. They've done really well for themselves. Uh, and he and I are just yakking away for, I don't know, 45 minutes, half an hour um, about hot sauce because he grows, he grows chilies and does, sells hot sauce in the markets uh, and just a whole bunch of other things. It's, it's just a, a nice way to, an unexpected conversation Um, I catch up with Stormy Cutter as well because I want to like just do a little bit of a face to face with her before I interview her, just to get the wheels rolling a wee bit, so that you know by the time we do the interview, it's 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 just you can enter more into a conversational space a lot faster than that kind of those transactions that you feel like that you have at the start of a conversation. So that's cool. Um. And as the evening draws near, I start to prepare myself for this men's health talk, men's mental health talk. The men's mental health talk is held at a place called the Mori Beach Resort. It is a stunning place. The location is just unbelievable. It's on Mori Beach Lagoon and, you know, White sand, crystal clear water. although the water didn't used to be crystal clear by the way. not a lot of people know, but that water used to be heavily polluted back in the day. Um, but then the government you know pulled finger and, and tidied it up. But anyway, beautiful crystal clear water. Uh, the setting is just something else, and the resort itself is also adults only. So you know they're kind of going out of their way to let this function be held there. Um, I also, I also have to. Um, <laughs> I got I'll talk about this. I'll talk about the uh, the panel session itself. One interesting character, and I'll, I'll publish the the whole thing because I took a recording of it. I'll publish the whole thing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna edit this particular character's contribution. Because it wasn't entirely, um, it's not entirely beneficial to the target audience. I'll leave it at that. But for the people watching and listening to this podcast, I'll, I can fill you in on it. Okay, so, oh, just one other thing about that Mori Beach Resort is, funnily enough, it's the same place where about 12 years ago, I won a competition to to fly from Wellington to Rara of all places to renew our vows even though we'd only been married for like three or four years. Um to for Debbie and I to renew our vows on the beach. And it was exactly the same place. So it's pretty I don't know that was cool. I found out I was like, oh that's there's cool connections, cool circle there. Okay. So the men's mental health couch talk. I am it starts at 6 pm they say six pm, which in island time means mm, six thirty, probably seven, realistically. And it's a bit of an unknown how many people will be in the crowd, but it doesn't really matter. Like if there's only one person and they take something out of it, it's it really is that cool. That was worth it. Um, thankfully, and graciously, I'm joined by Kane my brother, uh, Paul, Joe, and Barry. It was really cool that they came along to support me and just to find out what was going on as well. Sitting on either side of me on the couch, uh, so you know, the format is kind of the panellists sitting on one, uh, several couches and we're facing the audience, right? On either side of me, there's a, a student at Tereora College, I think it is. His name is Ngatupuna. And on the other side of me, there's, uh, I think he's just wrapped up being a student maybe not, and his name's Sydney as well, about 17, 18 years of age, on either side of them, there is a guy named, I think it's Ray Korangi Allison, I can double check that, Um, and his experience is he was sexually abused as a young boy, and he's overcome that, and he's used that Rather than kind of walking away from it, he's really walked towards his understanding of that and you know, it's undoubtedly grown stronger from that. He's also got these mad, crazy tattoos, just like super eye-catching tattoos all over his body. He's got one that comes up here. Oh, man, I'm not watching the video. This is gonna make it, I'm going to have to use my powers of description. Basically, it wraps right up his neck, up to his jawline. I don't know if I've ever seen one like it either and I guess it just stands out because it's it's just cool as uh, it's you know it's got Maori and Pacific Island flavours um, it's not like a skull and crossbones or mighty mongra mob which you know if that's your thing that's cool but this one has just you know some real beauty to it um, and on the other side of Sydney is a doctor shivers, I can't remember her name and sorry, but she anyway, a doctor and she's a stand-in for the guy who was meant to be there. And then we have our, our joint MCs at either side of the couches. So during the session, we enter uh, we open up with who we are, you know, some of our experiences, and then there's a couple of questions. And the MC asks if we could share a particular example where you know, we've, we've really struggled with mental health. And I have this moment where I'm, I look to my left and, and everyone's looking at me on this side and then I look to my right and once again, everybody's looking to me from that side. I'm like, oh, right, that must mean I'm the guy that's going to talk. Cool beans. Thankfully, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess, I had had this recent experience last year where, you know, many of you might know, um, one of my brothers, four, he killed himself. He committed suicide. And so I I kind of talked through that. I talked about the before, the during, and the after. And You know, I won't go into that again. I've already shared that in a previous podcast. Have a look. You'll see it somewhere in, in that list. In my, in my um, what's it going to say? Uh, I think it's one to listen to. I'm biased. I get it but I still think it's going to resonate with a lot of people. But I'm not going to talk about it again. Um, and so I kind of shared that story and then, you know, we kind of went back to the, the panellists and we're kind of sharing anecdotes and sharing guidance. And um, and these two, I was going to call them kids, these two guys, Ngatupuna and Sydney on, on either side of me, man, they dropped some gems, man. They're so mature. They're so I guess mature beyond their years, but I can only really compare it to myself because I was super immature at that age. But these guys are talking about stuff that I just would have gone straight over my head, or because I was an idiot back in those days. I would have just said, "That's gay," you know, dumb stuff like that. But they're just—I'm you know, just really impressed by what they bring to the to the conversation. Anyway this one particular character who's not on the panel, Uh, the the call goes out, would anyone in the audience like to ask a question? And there's there's a bit of silence and then a lady comes out of the kitchen. I think she's been working there. So she comes out of the kitchen and she gets the mic and she says, I don't have a question but I've, I've got something to say. Oh, oh, okay, cool, cool. Where's this going? And then she comes up to the front and then she sits down on the the couch with us. Oh, that's cool. Make yourself at home, you know. Kind of want everybody to feel comfortable in situations like that. This is good. And then she proceeds to tell a story that maybe because she was nervous at the start, you know, and understandably I was nervous at the start. Maybe it was because she was a bit nervous, but she kept stumbling over her words and. English being a second language for her does exceptionally well to to share what she does. But as she's talking, she's not really... Al- what she's saying is not really aligned with what everybody else in the audience are thinking and saying. Like we're all on one page and she's kind of on another. But then she drops uh, an F-bomb. She says the word fuck. And... She is, she's she's met with laughter, which was a terrible idea from all of us. She's, she's, sorry, and just to give a bit more context, she's about, oh, if I had to pick a number, late 60s, maybe early 70s, probably late 60s. She's met with laughter, and then that one moment suddenly encourages her and fuels her and then she just goes for it (laughs) she just she just starts swearing like like this is going to become a centerpiece of her of her speech now and by the end of it by the by the time she's finished talking completely and she has a couple of bites at this too by the time she's fully finished She's telling people in the crowd to forget about going to see doctors if you need help. You don't need help from anywhere. All you need to do is to follow God, and it's going to be okay. And she, (laughs) man, she goes so off script (laughs) that, you know, the MC does really, really well to, to rein her in. And reach the stage where she's not even allowed to hold the microphone anymore, <laughs> like it's being taken off her. And one of those, yeah, you've had too much to drink, bro. You, you kind of need to exit moments. That's going to be a, a lot, a, a, a loving memory for me out of that whole thing. It was really good, though. Like that whole session, I was I was thankful to be able to give. Not, my, not just my time, but my awareness of what's worked and what hasn't worked, given the experiences that I've had, the experiences that I see a number of other people have. Um, you know, run a group on Fridays that's open to anybody, but seems to be just men come. And, you know, within that space, people feel comfortable enough about sharing what's going on in their worlds. You know, so just understanding that, I've seen what happens when it doesn't work well. Case in point, my mate, my brother that killed himself. But I've also seen a lot of examples where it does work well. Case in point, a number of my close friends and myself, where I feel like I've got a really good handle on what works, what doesn't work for my own mental health. And I believe a lot of it um, applies to other people as well. So, you know, I felt like it was a real special thing to be able to give back to the islands, give back to you know, the youth, that are going to be dealing with a lot of things, um, many of which I never got to experience, but just, just that service to others, that service to others really filled my bucket. It's about eight o'clock by the time, oh, and I'll, I'll try to add the link to that whole thing in the um, show notes, as I'll keep an eye out for that, but once again, Spotify or my YouTube channel, any other platform, whatever. So it's about eight o'clock by the time we finish that chat, and Barry goes home, grabs the kids, and we go for a walk along Murray Beach Lagoon. You know, at night, just looking at little crabs, listening to the water. Um, there's this amazing sandcastle there that resembles one of those statues from Easter Island. It's really clever. And, you know, there's, there's schools of little fish jumping out of the water, catching the reflection of the moonlight. This is just a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. Um, we finish, Barry and I, you know, we get back home, uh, kids go to bed, and he and I end up with another, it's like a 4 a.m. finish after a few more beers, but it's a great day. Saturday rocks up and it's rinse and repeat, straight into the pool, gazing out at the endless ocean, family time. Um, today, though, is the market day. So, On Raro, there are markets, there's maybe I don't know five different places you can go to a market. They're all varying sizes. The biggest by far is the Punanganui market. The Punanganui is an Avrua, which is the town, like the capital of Raro. And it is it's just it's a cool place, you know, between it's between um, the sea and the town a stretch of land uh, it's got everything it's got island food chilled coconuts that you can drink it's got um, dance performances um, you can go and see people husking coconuts uh, you can get tattoos done uh, you can go to buy Paul Lynch's hot sauce it's just got everything you could want um, you have to get there though before you 10am know, if you one want to find a park around the outside or else you have to walk all 50 metres to get there, right? I mean, you know, the shame of it all. Um, But it also gets quite hot as well. So, you know, nobody really wants to be walking around at 12 o'clock standing in a queue to get an ice block because it's just so hot. Um, but man, it's an amazing time. Uh, all of us go, Our, you know, the two villas go. And we, at the end of it, there's a, a performance on the stage. Like a, there's a main stage there as well and this is actually, like I've been a whole bunch of times, I've been to the islands you know, enough times, not enough, but a lot, and there's a performance group, and they're one of the better performance groups that I've ever seen, quite polished, and the performance group is, they have a number of their dancers come out, um, they, they show you like the process for, from picking up a coconut, or getting it off the tree, to opening it, There's a real art to it. Contrary to to popular opinion, you can't just pick up a coconut and throw it at a concrete wall and and suddenly the juice comes out. I don't know how many people I've seen try to do this. Like, like this thing is built to literally be carried across oceans. You're trying to throw it against a a concrete floor or wall. It's just mind-numbing. Anyway, people, stop throwing coconuts at walls. Uh, So anyway, they they do that, open it up, teach you how to drink it, like how to get it open, how to get the flesh out of it, how to scrape it, how to squeeze it so you get coconut cream, like the works, man, it's an awesome show. Um, And then these ladies come out and they do traditional Cook Island dancing, which if you've never seen, man, you've got to check out like some of the stuff that I'm putting up on uh, TikTok or Facebook or social media because... It's Cook Island dancing, very similar to to Tahitian, and it gets borrowed from a whole lot of other places. But it is it is a piece of art. It's a piece of art, man, and it just catches your eye. It catches your ear as well with the percussion, with the instruments, and you know my daughters are a great example. It's like they see it, and they just can't start, start They can't stop dancing. It is among the most super cool things I reckon that comes out of the islands. Anyway, as is tradition, there's a segment where they ask for volunteers and Scarlett, who is, is working, Scarlett, my daughter, who's working really hard on getting out of her comfort zone, puts her hands up. It's like, oh, I want to go up there. I'm like, right, we're going up there. Um, and Sky, who will dance to the beat of anything, obviously music, um, car alarms, Washing machines. She hears anything and she's just dancing, right? Don't even realize that... I don't even think she realizes that she's doing it at the time. She wants to go up there. So, cool. So, myself, Scarlett, and Sky, we go up on stage. Now, I know I'm biased. But we absolutely nailed this thing, man. (laughs) They have, like, a bit where each performer... And their partner goes up and they dance in the middle of the stage and all the audience is watching. And there's maybe four or five, there's probably six performers, each with their group, three before us and then maybe two after us. And we go on there. Man, we kick goals out of this thing, eh? It's crazy. It's crazy cool. Once again, check out the show notes. I'll sort something out. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to put in these show notes, a lot of content now. So if I don't have it in there straight away, like revisit it in two days time, um. Maybe four days, I'm gonna take the kids on camp. But I detract. Um, but yeah, it's just so much fun and we're dancing out there, and you know, I just love knowing that we're in Raro. Raro dancing, Cook Island dancing, and I'm up there on stage with two of my daughters. It's just oh man, sign me up. Um after that, after that whole thing, we, we end up heading home. Not before we stop at our section, actually. So, something I haven't added already is that we're building a place in Rara on a section that my mum owns. In the Cook Islands, you can't you can't um, just go and buy land. It's ancestral, so it gets passed down from generation to generation. So this particular piece of land, you know, has conceivably been in my family. For well, I don't know. There's, the record-keeping back then isn't great, but if you think that Maori came to New Zealand, or Kōkawa Maoris came to New Zealand, at like 1,200, is that what they're saying? So, you know, that's about a 1,000 years it could conceivably have been in my family. I don't know. It's just in our family now, so we've got to look after it. Anyway, so uh, after the markets, the two villas, our, our extended family i'll call it now we go to the section and i'm explaining to the guys you know what we're doing and we're going to be putting this modified shipping container on there and once again where's the money going to come from i'll sort that problem out when we get there um but that's that's the dream that's that's what we're looking at doing that's cool we end up heading home and everyone's just gassed everyone's tired um but the adults know that in a couple of hours we're going to be gearing up again for the ufc the UFC has got a special card on that that day for Israel Adesanya and three other Kiwis. Sorry, three other fighters that come out of uh, city kickboxing, which is in Auckland. You know, so it's a bit of a Kiwi themed card. Um, and so we, you know, we we end up going to that uh, at a bar called Mai, which is about fifteen minutes drive from where we're staying. And my younger brother Kane, once again, like this guy's getting connected there now. And he's the guy that everybody looks to to screening, um, screening the UFC. So, like, man, this is dope. This is cool, man. We've got we've got something that we can go and watch and you know, good times. The bar's awesome too. It's got it's got dart boards that kind of overlook that look outwards. I don't know if I can explain that very well. Um, it's got you know, pool table. It's got a swimming pool in it. Um, it's got those arm wrestling tables, it's got these like s- separated areas, it's just a really cool bar and I love going there, I would go there a lot more often um, and so we're there for a couple of hours Debbie and the kids aren't there though and then I get a message from her saying that she is at murray Beach and I see this photo that she sends me and man, instantly I want to be there, I don't want to be, it's not that I'm not enjoying my time at the bar like I'm having a great time um, my older and younger brother are there one of my younger brothers is there um, Barry, Paul and Joe are there I bump into one of my aunties there you know, it's a good time but as soon as I see this photo of of Maya and Scarlett and they're in the water and Debbie's out there I'm like, man, I want to be there You know, this is cool but this can wait and in terms of which of these is going to be the more impactful memory for myself and the kids is that one, right? It's going to the beach. So, you know, I get dropped off at the lagoon. And then, where am I? On Mori. So I get out there, and man, the place is just stunning. Like, it's just so beautiful. It's, cr- it's hard to describe. The only way I could really describe it is the first time Debbie went there a few years ago, she cried. It was so, uh, such a, momentous occasion for her. Is that the right phrase? That'll do it. It moved her to tears. It's really pretty. And so I'm hanging out with the kids and I'm just like, yeah, made the right decision, you know. No, this is good. Um, We're there for about half an hour, an hour, and then we head home and, you know, before I go back to the bar, I make a point of cooking dinner, which is... A small gesture given, I know that the wheels are going to fall off these kids any minute, and they're hot and they're tired, and I I just want to take as much off Debbie's plate as I can. And doing dinner is just a great way to to look after that. Oh yeah, I end up um, picking up my uncle as well from around the corner. Uh, and you know, we suck a few beers at Mighty as well. Um, he goes home, and surprise, surprise, Barry and I are sitting beside the pool again. Uh, and we end up having another one of these 4 a.m. finishes, which is bizarre because I don't know, it sounds like we're up and out partying all the time, but we're not we're just literally just hanging out and. One of the most beautiful places in the world, in my opinion. All right, so, Sunday, the day of the barbecue, it arrives. So, I'm feeling a little bit dusty, as expected, Um, but I head over to my brother's place, which they live like five minutes down the road from us, which is super convenient, right? I get there and these guys are way ahead of the game. Everything's in order. They've got the barbecue there, they've got uh, the food prep has been going on. I actually had dropped off, I forgot to mention, I dropped off, Pot of meat. let's go. I dropped off a whole bunch of meat that we brought over from New Zealand the day before. And so they've been marinating it. And my, my older brother, especially, who's working on this Korean chicken um, shop over there that he's, that he's doing, he's been running amok, just you know, slathering this stuff with just all sorts of amazing sauces and stuff. And so, you know, the barbecue is set for 1 o'clock, um, which which really means like 2, 2.30 in island time. And then it gets pushed to 3 o'clock, which, you know, really means about 4 o'clock at least. But we don't actually start eating till 5. But, you know, eating, eating at that time when you originally started at 1 o'clock in the islands, man, you're doing something right. You're doing something right. I find, it, I find it really hard to describe, or at least put words, to how I feel about this day, this particular day. Now, we had, we had literally moved a whole family overseas for this barbecue. We'd gathered some of the most key people in our lives, and in our kids' lives, And coordinated it so that they would be at this barbecue. Everything that we'd done, everything that we had sacrificed or thrown out to the universe, or, you know, all of it, all roads led to this one moment, this one day, I should say, this barbecue. And so to see these people, to see these people all. Sharing food, laughing, talking, intergenerational stuff, you know, grandparents and grandkids, friends of family. To see that all play out right in front of me, it's just beyond words. My brothers had opened their home for the event. Our friends had given us a home To stay in while we were in Rara. My mum, my uncle, Barry were there. Um, You know, just all of that coming together will forever be etched into my mind and into my heart. Because that is a big bucket filler for me. And I don't want to sound like I couldn't care less actually people say, oh God, that just sounds so soppy. It's like, Man, you deal with that. <laughs> it sounds like a you problem. Um, it was all worth it and more. This holiday that we couldn't afford, you know, the tension in the car, getting up to Auckland, not having money, just whatever, whatever you threw at it at, it it's all worth it for this for this day. And it, it all got kind of locked into place. the whole thing, everything got locked into place when I took this group photo, because when I took this group photo and I looked at, I look at it, and we're all standing there, we're all together, we're all we're all together at this one point in time. Man. Cool. I'll leave it at that. Two slightly unrelated moments do stick out as well, though. One of them was um, Joe and the kids had gone for a walk around the back of the property and they'd gone and seen these goats. They came back and the kids, the only thing the kids could talk about, and Joe, to be fair, was about this goat. That had these massive balls. And then Joe showed me a photo of it, and sure enough, this goat had like King Kong-sized balls on him. <laughs> I don't know. Funny, I get yeah, I'm immature. I get it. But it was just really funny. Oh, got a visitor. I'm gonna push pause. The other moment that really stuck out, stood out sorry, was during the barbecue, I received this text message, a uh, Facebook message from a random person, no idea who this person is, and they asked if they could catch up with me to get some herbal advice. Now herbal advice to me was just code for either can they score weed off me or did I want to score some weed? Okay, well, let's see what happens here. Let's see where this goes. Um, you know, no surprise that I'll never turn an adventure down. I have no idea what I'm in for, but let's just see what happens, right? So I organized to to meet this guy um, about a couple of hundred metres away from where I'm st- from the house, and I go out there at the appropriate time, which is after sunset, and it's it's dark. It's like super dark, and this car rocks up. And I shake hands with the driver. I can see there's someone else in the other passenger seat, so I jump in the back. And I say, "Oh, what, what's up? What's going on?" And then we proceed to start talking, like you know. And I don't, I do hitchhiking all the time, right? So jumping in a car with strangers is just, you know, it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. It's like, why wouldn't I jump in a car with strangers? So I say, "Oh, so what's up?" And then. Um, and they're kind of talking a little bit about um, me wanting to catch up with Steve Boggs, the medicinal marijuana advocate, because they read on a Facebook post that I, this is what I was trying to do. I thought, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Now, in the back of my mind, like I'm, I'm an idiot, but I'm not a full-blown idiot. <laughs> I'm not going to just come out there. If someone says to me, do you want to buy weed? I'm not going to just say, yeah, and they give me the weed and they they catch me, you know, with weed in my hands. So before I got there, I had this plastic bottle and I was thinking, right, so if they go to sell me weed, then I've got like this little plan about what I'll do, about getting them to put it into the, you know, I'll leave the bottle, getting them to put it in the bottle and like putting it down the road, that kind of thing. I've got this like master plan all worked out. Turns out it was yet another case of just overthinking something that never even happens in the end. Um. But during the course of the conversation, I look up and I'm like, oh, I actually think that this guy's had a stroke. His wife's you know, partner's in the front, but the guy who's driving, he's, he's just something not quite right with the side of his body. And then I see him, like, hanging off the the view mirror, there's a, a, a mobility card as well. I'm like, oh, okay, this what's going on here? And then he proceeds to tell me, like, he's just got back to the islands, and he's looking at for medicine, medicinal marijuana. and his wife trying to the system with all this, and I was like, "Oh man, that's sweet ass." So you're so basically, they were trying to score weed off me. <laughs> it's like, bro, I just got on the island a couple of days ago as well, man. Give me some time, <laughs> take it easy. Um, but we ended up having a really cool conversation about him upping, picking up sticks from New Zealand, going back and you know, going back to his roots, and he's looking at like literally planting over there, planting like. Um, yams and stuff not weed, uh but yeah just just this real kind of real flowy conversation around you know the reasons why he was going back and you know the journey that he's on to reconnect with his origins and all the rest which is quite cool because you know i love sitting in cars chatting with people and hearing their stories Um, she had a really cool bunch of um, experiences as well but ultimately after about half an hour in the car, I was like, Oh man, I, I actually I was probably less than about twenty minutes. It's like, oh I actually I need to get back to my brothers because, you know, once again that 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 was the whole reason that I was that I was meant to be in Rara. so It's like, oh man, nice to meet you both. Love the connection, but I've got to bounce. So, you know, that'll be another of those just memories added to that whole time there, which is so unexpected. Um and I, you know, I got no shortage of mocking from everyone else that was at the barbecue about why I would be going and meeting someone there, you know, I could be abducted or anything. I'm like, well, who's going to abduct me on a bloody island? Um, you know, anyhow. Anyway. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that whole thing was, um, you know, that whole day was just incredible. So much packed into it, um. I get another photo of my brothers and I with my mum, and you know, once again, just fills a bucket. Uh, and then eventually I'm dropped off at home about 9, 9.30, and you know I head, head back to the platform with Barry, and we end up stargazing as we do. And it's a, it's a magical end to what has been a magical day. Oh, good. Well, I'm going to leave it there for now. And what I'll do is I'll add the rest of the time that we were in Raro into a separate episode. Now, I mean, this is like we're up to day three or four, uh, day three of 10, maybe day four of 10. And we just had this absolute blast, right? Um, All roads have led to the barbecue. And so everything else after this is a bonus. It turns out that everything else after this just goes so far beyond any expectations we could have had that it is, you know, it adds all these layers that are just going to be with us forever. One experience in particular is one that I, you know, it, it's so good for me anyway, for everybody actually, it's so good and so so powerfully positive. Uh, I was actually really tempted to, do a, its own episode about this thing because of how awesome an experience it was. But for now, I'll leave it there. Um, as always, please remember to click follow and subscribe. Um, if you're on my YouTube channel, E-R-A-K-A-N-U-I, that's e uh, then make sure you're clicking subscribe. Um, and if you're on Spotify, it does help if you click If you rate these episodes, or I keep saying rate the episode, if you rate the podcast, like if you rate the podcast, it helps bring it to more people's attentions, such as Spotify's algorithms. Um, Love being able to share that so far. Loved having that whole journey under my belt as well. Look forward to catching up again. And, you know, as I always like to say, folks, be uncomfortable and grow.